This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. I will say this about investing. Everything you do learn is cumulative. What I learned at 20 is Welcome to another episode of Equity Mates, a podcast that follows our journey of investing. Whether you're an absolute beginner or approaching Warren Buffett status, our aim is to help break down your barriers from beginning to dividend. My name is Bryce, and as always, I'm joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How are you going? I'm very good, Bryce. God, there's a lot going on at the moment. There is so much going on. Facebook's first ever revenue drop. Love it. Spotify killing it. Yeah, love that too. F45 down 70%. Equity mates kiss of death. In a, was it, in, it wasn't in a day, was it? Yeah. In a day. Yeah, yeah, it's down 95% we'll, since. We'll get to that. Let's yeah. just go Rio, weak results. Yeah. Fed raised rates, 75 basis points again. Yeah. Sezzles in a trading halt. Yeah. Zip. Are you going to just go price. through everything or <laughs> you're just taking the whole segment? It's like <laughs> there's so much going on. Yeah, there is a lot going on and we're going to go through it all today. It's a big show. We're going to start with a market wrap and go around the grounds. There's plenty happening um, overseas in reporting season. We've had the IMF also give an update on uh, growth. Then we're going to have a look at some of the unknown companies that caught our eye this earnings season. And then the second half of the episode, we're going to be joined by one of our favorite experts, and that is Nick Griffin from Munro Partners, to get his thoughts on uh, where we're at, uh, both on the stock market and I guess some broader uh, economic news as well. Who went in? Who went to 40% cash in January? Yeah, well cool. played. Yeah, <laughs> well played. Managers, Wish I've I think, gone to 40% cash. Yeah, 1.4 bill, 40% cash in Jan. Absolutely called it, and looking forward to to chatting to him. Uh, as a reminder though, before we start, we are not experts, we are not financial professionals and we are not licensed. So we're here learning just like you and nothing on this podcast should be taken as advice. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. That's it. So Ren, let's kick off market wrap around the grounds. There's plenty going on. It's earnings season, baby. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's let's start with the IMF because you got that as the first dot point and I actually have no idea what you're going to say here. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm bottom up. I'm only uh, company analysis. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> well, uh, the IMF has lowered their growth forecast for global GDP over the next year or so. That's it. We started this episode <laughs> on with such high energy. <laughs> All right. That's it, around the grounds. Let's talk about earnings season. Yeah, let's talk about earnings season. so much has happened. You start. All right, so let's start with Alphabet, the 
uh, bellwether in the digital ads market that uh, was apparently weak because of Snap's results. What weakness in the digital ads market? Meta. Google search revenue up 13%. YouTube revenue not as strong. I think it was up about 5%. The stock jump 8%. Yeah, I think it might be one of the only ones in the ad market that have uh, actually... It is well. the ad market. <laughs> Meta, which we'll get we'll to. We'll get to. So Microsoft, they missed revenue and earnings but had, quote, shockingly strong outlook, plus 7%. Up 7%. The stock price was up as well, I think. Shopify, uh, remember, this company is down 70%, so keep that in mind. Users up 19% to 433 million. Paid users up 14% to 188 million. Share price up 12% as a result. Love it. What the? Yeah. <laughs> Why is it down 70%? <laughs> well, everything's down, Ran, it's obviously. <laughs> UBS, they joined the long list of banks to miss expectations. Earnings of $2.1 billion versus the expected $2.4 billion. Visa. Uh, now, this is a company that knows what's going on with consumer spending. Their profit is up 32%. Not bad, but... Most interesting quote from their CEO, Al Kelly. Based on our numbers, we haven't seen any evidence of consumers pulling back spending in our markets. Yeah. There was actually, I listened to the Spotify earnings call and uh, Daniel Eck had similar commentary as well. They haven't seen any consumer weakness. That It might be a yet conversation and some of the other companies we'll talk about will give us a view of what's going on with consumers. But it's interesting. Well, the big push for Visa there was uh, everyone returning in a big way back to travel. Back to travel, yeah. yeah. So Rio uh, here in Australia, underlying profit down 29%, dividend down 52%, and 53% of revenue is uh, coming from China. Key yeah. man. Single Key man party, risk. Is single <laughs> customer risk. Uh, Rio also in the UK, we should be clear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, 53% of revenue comes from China. China goes through a lockdown. That uh, hurts commodity prices, also hurts their key customer. No surprises there. They came out and backed it, though. They said, we think that China is going to be an advantage for us over time. Classic. So we'll wait and see there. F45, we flagged this at the top, down 70% in a day after a shocking earnings result. Revenue of $120 million, they forecast $255 million. New gym openings, three hundred and fifty. They forecast fifteen hundred. You can see why the stock plunged seventy yeah. percent. I mean, new gym openings plunged seventy. Down, yeah, listed at sixteen dollars, and it's now at seventy nine cents. Mark Wahlberg is a, a was a, a shareholder. Still he is. Still is small, Just not smaller. As much. <laughs> he uh, he's sold down a fair chunk of his um, over between January and March. I think he got so it. He sold, saw the writing on the wall. He sold it in like the eleven dollar range, nine dollar range. Yeah. So you went and to now it's at 79 cents. CEO Adam Gilchrist, not the cricketer, uh, is also He's out. He's on his way out. Yeah. Coke, revenue is up 12%. Uh, inflation helped. They're up 5%. What consumer weakness? <laughs> yeah, forecast uh, 8% growth. So, again, some strong consumer demand. Uh, speaking of strong consumer demand, McDonald's. Now, Bryce, listen to these numbers. We are from a retail background. We love same-store sales. Same-store sales for Maccas in the U.S.? Up 3.7%. Not bad. Decent. But Below yeah. inflation, yeah. but not bad. Outside the US, 13%. That's good. 13% from yeah. McDonald's. Yeah. Wow. And they uh, and they moved out of Russia as well, which was a pretty significant... Uh, well, that wouldn't be calculated in the same store sales. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So Adidas, China has absolutely 
destroyed this company, not destroyed, not but dis- uh, has uh, <laughs> had a significant impact. Uh, Adidas have cut revenue guidance by 12% and they've also cut earnings guidance by 30%, blaming lockdowns in China and uh, a growing inventory. Yep. So, uh, yeah, not great for Adidas. So, Bryce, two to go. Uh, Meta, Facebook, revenue of $28.8 billion, down from $28.9 billion this time last year. First ever revenue drop in their history. Yeah, pretty significant. I think of all of them, uh, this is the one that caught my eye. They are still adding users though, Ren. Yeah, up to $1.97 billion. Jeez. It's like a quarter of the world. <laughs> yeah, it's nuts. <laughs> and then to close out, Shopify, no earnings. Uh, yet, I think to, yet. Uh, by the time people listen to this, they will have they released will come out, But out. they have announced that they're cutting 10% of their workforce and a reminder that a uh, source of revenue matters yes. for a company like Shopify. I think Shopify is a classic example of a great product, a great company with an unstable customer base because when you're relying on, you know, unprofitable e-commerce companies as your key customers, there's risk when we go enter an e-commerce winter like we have this year. Mm. And so it doesn't say anything about Shopify's core product, but weakness in the e-commerce market blends through flows through to them and that's what we're seeing at the moment. Mm. So yeah, interesting times. We are the S&P has rallied about 10%, I think the Nasdaq has rallied about 13% since its bottoms. So, are we well, out? Bottoms yeah. uh in uh in mid-June. Uh are we out? I'm not going to make a call on that at all, but it certainly feels like um that we're going through reporting season, so <laughs> it certainly feels like we are going through reporting season. Uh, certainly feels like well, look, there's spoken. mixed there's mixed messages coming through, so um, it'll all shake out in the next few weeks. I just think it's really important that we call out the concept of a bear market rally in all of these uh, big stock market declines in history. Um, there are bear market rallies, sometimes known as a dead cat bounce where the market goes up a little bit and then continues its decline. And generally those bear market rallies sit around the 10% number. We're about 10% up from the lows. Yeah. So I think it's just important that some of these results are really pleasing. Some of the guidance for future quarters is also looks really good. Quote Microsoft, shockingly strong guidance. Um, but it's just a watch out that We've seen bear market rallies. I think it was before. an analyst who said shockingly strong. It was, strong. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was an analyst. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's not Microsoft to say <laughs> FYI. FYI, shockingly strong. But no, it was like a, yeah, it was a Wall Street analyst. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah, stay, stay uh, tuned in because we'll have Nick later this episode who I think is on that vibe of uh, uh, there's still uh, there's still some some pain to come. Yeah. Yeah. But maybe we're all wrong. Maybe, yeah. it's only good times. And we've missed and the bottom. It's... <laughs> Yeah, anyway, uh, one other thing that caught my eye, Bryce, uh, every asset class seems to be down. Even Australian property was down 0.02%. But Jordans, the uh, sneakers, down 30%. Wow. Yeah. Based on like what? what, Uh, I think StockX or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I just heard it on a podcast. Everything's down. Nice. Might be time to get myself a pair of Jordans. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Well, um, there you go. Plenty happening. Next week, we'll have another market wrap from around the grounds as earnings season continues. All right, Bryce, uh, we covered a lot of the big names the McDonald's, the Visas, the Microsoft, the Alphabets. 
But there's so many companies reporting at the moment and we wanted to take a moment to talk about a few of the unknown companies that caught our eye. A few that I certainly didn't know about. I don't know if you've heard of any of these companies. No. Uh, and I'm pretty confident many in the Equity Mates community won't have either. We've chosen three for different reasons, not all of them good. First one, vertical aerospace. You heard of this one before? I haven't. I love it. <laughs> Up 177% in the past two weeks. That caught our eye. Absolutely. Uh, it was a SPAC merger, so we start there. Yep. Red flag immediately. It is a vertical takeoff electric zero carbon aircraft. What do you think? I love it. Okay. <laughs> I think um, uh, it's one of those companies that if it it has if it figures out this technology, um, who knows where it can go? Well, on the dive uh, last week, we did an episode on Saudi Arabia's new city that they're trying to build, Neom. Yes. Side note, I've been pumped with Twitter ads about it since. Oh, there you go. Which is weird that they're advertising it while they're building it. But they want to have flying taxis. So maybe yeah. we need to connect. This is the wheelhouse. Yeah. But <laughs> the, the, okay, Let, let's talk about um, the aircraft as they've explained it. So the VX4 will transport a pilot and up to four passengers traveling over 100 miles, achieving speeds of over 200 miles per hour, minimal noise, zero emissions, and... If people aren't in front of their – if people can't Google it at the moment, um, think of it as like a like a plane with helicopter – Propellers. Uh, propellers. Rotors? Yeah, rotors. Yeah. Normal rotor plane that then just go vertical when it needs to go up and down and flicks horizontal when it needs to go forward. Easy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can picture it. It's just what you see in all those movies where you see these type of planes. Yeah, yeah. sci-fi movies. Sci-fi movies, yeah. That don't exist. <laughs> I, the technology is definitely possible. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. like the US military can yeah. do like a vertical well, takeoff and landing. Yeah, 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 yeah. So the company's still down 25% in the last year, uh, as with so many of these SPACs. Hasn't been good. But up 177%. So I was like, well, why, why is that? 15th of July was a really good day for them. They had two big announcements. Uh, I want to tell you the announcements and then I want to give. I want to ask you to over-under, all right? Okay. So uh, 15th of July, American Airlines did their first payment for the first – they did like the first part of a payment for the first 50 of these aircraft. They've ordered 250. Um, so the market liked the fact that someone was actually paying them for these things. Yes. <laughs> On the same day, Europe's leading business jet operator, Flying Group, also conditionally pre-ordered up to 50. Quote, conditionally yeah. pre-ordered up to. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So American Airlines uh, put the first payment for the first 50. Another 50 orders came through. That brought the order book up to 1,400 aircraft reportedly with a fi- with a value of, if all those orders go through, of $5.6 billion. Yeah. So a, ver- a flying plane that doesn't exist yet, 1,400 have been ordered. Over, under, will 100 get delivered and paid for? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Follow-up question, will we get a chance to have a ride in one? Um, maybe. I, I don't know if we'll get a chance to ride in this particular VX4. Okay. I have no, VX5. <laughs> but I have no doubt in our lifetime 
we will experience something similar. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, look, that was the first one that caught my eye. Love it. Anyway, let's let's keep it rolling. Zero, <laughs> zero, or not a lot of revenue to date for those guys. They don't. So yeah, of course yeah. not. <laughs> <laughs> These things are still <laughs> not a lot of revenue. Yet. Up hundred and seventy-seven percent. Wow. There you go. A lot of expectation. Oh, so much. A lot of expectation. <laughs> All right. The next one, Coupang. Up almost 100% in the past two months, Ren. The New York Stock Exchange ticker for Coupang, which are a South Korean e-commerce giant, is CPNG. Um, also would caveat that uh, Vertical Aerospace is also listed on the New York Stock Exchange, EVTL, if you're interested. But uh, Coupang is a little bit more established than uh, Vertical Aerospace, $30 billion market cap and they are the Amazon of South Korea. We have spoken about these guys very briefly on the show before. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, Ren, before we get to results, uh, what the interesting thing here is that they seem to be one of the world's leaders in emulation. Yes, <laughs> you could say that. Emulation. So, <laughs> When you say they are the Amazon of South Korea, they are the Amazon of South Korea. <laughs> yes, literally. So let's just quickly take a look at what we mean by that. They're an online retailer, the largest online marketplace in South Korea, Amazon Vibes. They have a rocket delivery, which is same day and next day delivery for items ordered before midnight delivered overnight similar to Prime Prime Vibes. Uh, then they have Rocket Wow, which is a membership, very similar to Amazon Prime. They have Coupang Eats, similar to Uber Eats. They've got Coupang Flex, similar to Amazon Flex. Coupang Play, the Netflix of South Korea. And which also-, also comes free with your Rocket Wow membership, which <laughs> okay, might which is- ring an Amazon Prime yes. bell. Rocket Fresh, which is a fresh fruit food delivery service, similar to plenty of options both domestically here and over in, in the States. Yeah. HelloFresh comes to mind here. I was actually um, thinking more like uh, Gorillas or Milk Run. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. But I actually don't know the business model there. And then Rocket Direct, they purchase foreign goods. No, it um, allows you to purchase foreign goods. Similar to the Alibaba vibes that uh, you can buy get wholesale prices on on large yeah. large items. So, um, look, great emulation strategy. If it works, fair play. Well, I mean, they got a $30 billion market. Yeah. <laughs> In a sea of terrible e-commerce results, we need to celebrate those that are doing a little <laughs> less poorly. Well, 2002 until the 11th of May, they were down 66%, but since the 11th of May, they are up 80%, so a bit of a rebound. Let's take a look at what has happened from that point in yeah, time. Yeah, well, why was the 11th of May the inflection point? Down 66% year-to-date and then up 80% from there. The answer is Q1 results. What happened? Expectations. Customers, 18.1 million, which was up... Revenue of $5.1 billion, which was up 22%. Gross profit of just over a billion, up 42%, yet they're still making a loss of $209 million. But they do have $3.4 billion in cash on their balance sheet. So they can absolutely sustain these losses for a while. Yeah, I actually think there's a nuance there. I think a lot of that cash is going, going out in accounts payable. Yeah, right. You know how like the best retailers in the world sell their goods before they have to pay their suppliers. Yeah. You at Woolies were famous for it. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, I think a lot. I think these guys have a similar. They'll sell the goods and then pay their suppliers. Oh, okay. Retail model. So if you, yeah, they're okay. So, like, if you met that out. They got like I think they got three point point four billion cash on their balance sheet. And you're like, oh, 
Yeah. Wow. Then three point. But then I think it's three point three billion in accounts payable. Okay. So well, yeah. Then they have no cash. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. <laughs> um, one thing to note. So you said customers eighteen point one million. I just googled the population of South Korea. About fifty million. Nice. Wow, it's so, pretty significant. So uh, I, I think Coupang have started opening up mar- some other markets, but not a heap. Just as a percentage of population serviced, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, very impressive. Yeah. Very impressive. Nice. So we've had um, we've had a vertical uh, aerospace company, literally called Vertical Aerospace. <laughs> uh, we've had an e-commerce giant uh, also listed on the stock exchange. Before you introduce yeah. the third, I just want to make the point that investing in America gives us opportunities to access all these companies not in America. Yeah. Like Coupang is a classic example of that. But, you know, like C Limited. Well, Vertical is also British. Well, there you go. Yeah. But C Limited is Southeast Asian. Is is GoTo, the Indonesian one, it's listed in Indonesia. It might be secondary listing in the US. I don't think it is yet. It's not yet, yeah. But there are others. Uh, what's the what's the other big Southeast Asian one? C and Grab. Yeah, Grab Holdings. It's yeah. listed. Yeah. yeah. And so they're all li- like C and Grab listed in the US, Coupang listed in the US, but some of the bigger players in Southeast Asia or in, in Asia. So it's just a, an interesting reminder that the market that you're listed in isn't necessarily where your company is located. Yeah. Well, mainly just for Americans' company. Yeah. <laughs> American listed company. <laughs> anyway, let's get on to the third company that caught our eye. This one, we, we talk a lot about the American entrepreneurs, the Bezos and the Musk. I want to introduce this company, Bryce, and then I want to ask you about this entrepreneur because he tried to bribe a world leader. <laughs> I'll get to that. All right, so the company is called Cigna Sports United. Uh, was down 50% to start the year, but is up 20% in the last two weeks. German company, again, this theme of companies all over the world listing in the US. It's listed in New York. The ticket is SSU. Another SPAC merger. Now, the business model here is interesting. It's a re- regional sports e-commerce website roll-up. <laughs> so basically they take a tiny little... Uh, e-commerce websites yeah. and roll them up and they've rolled them up into a $2 billion company. Well played. Now, Bryce, I'm going to give you a list of e-commerce websites and you tell me if you've heard of any of them. Okay. Bikester. No. Tennis Point. No. Camps with a Z. <laughs> no. Outfitter. Uh, no. Pro Bike Shop. No. Wiggle. Yes. Oh, you actually have? Yeah. Oh, have you used it? Yes. <laughs> Tennis Pro. No. Chain reaction cycles. They love bikes and tennis. No. Yeah. And uh, Tennis Express. No. Ballside. No. <laughs> Add nature. No. Well, Bryce, those websites and a few others roll up into a $2 billion company with 2,500 employees. I like the roll up. Roll ups have uh, historically struggled. Okay. The return on invested capital gets less yeah, and less yeah, as yeah. they get bigger and bigger. But then there are some conglomerates that buck that trend but all together they've got a hundred different web shops as they call them in over 20 countries seven million customers and 500 million online visitors annually including you apparently yes yeah. wiggle wiggle what's so good about it uk i think uh pretty pretty good range decent prices <laughs> i mean what more can you ask for in a the bunnings of online bike bike stores really that's a big call <laughs> anyway moving on let's keep going <laughs> The reason that I wanted to raise this, though, is the entrepreneur, Rene Benko. Heard mm-hmm. of him? No. So he's Austrian, started a small real estate business in the late 1990s, 
now worth over $5 billion. Love that. Real estate. Then he got into this e-commerce. He's also got into bricks and mortar retail and owns a whole bunch of shopping centers. This roll this roll up spun it into a separate company through a SPAC merger, which is now listed. I don't know how much of it he still owns. He's got like the ex general manager of eBay Germany running it. But and I was looking at this guy, Rene Benko. In twenty twelve, he tried to bribe the Croatian Prime Minister. <laughs> Ren, look, a bit of a spicy opinion. Well, I don't know if it's spicy or not, but I'm of the belief that to be worth over a billion dollars, there's no way that you haven't pushed, tried to push the boundaries. <laughs> wow, okay. Yeah. No way. We've spoken to billionaires on this show before. Have we? Yeah. Yeah. Hamish Douglas? Yeah. I'm I'm just saying. I'm, I'm not saying that I'm not, I'm not putting it in anyone's mouth. I just reckon that he's not the only billionaire to try and uh, bribe a PM. Uh, I think there is a quote. I think it's in the Godfather book, Behind Every Great Fortune There's a Great Crime. There you go. Yeah. So. Nailed it. <laughs> really, you reckon every billionaire? Should we go? I don't, no, no, no. Should we I do don't an episode every, where we go through every billionaire that, yeah. and you, you name their crime? <laughs> I'm not saying it's a crime. I'm not saying that there's a well, crime. No, no. Bribing, trying to bribe a prime minister is a crime. I know that. But what I'm saying <laughs> is that there's there's boundary pushing okay. for billionaires. Okay. You, ha- you have to. That's an important distinction. You have to. Yeah. 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 Anyway, there you go. So three companies that uh, caught our attention during reporting season that weren't in the usual uh, fang stocks and everything that we whipped through. So again, next week we'll uh, we'll try and bring a few of these. Yeah, let's, uh, this is fun. Let's yeah, bring a few, some a few uh, of these to the fore. companies. Now, after the break, we're really excited as we're sitting down with Nick Griffin from Munro Partners to get his thoughts on uh, the market and how he's p- positioning his portfolio after going to 40% cash. Another reason we're really excited is that Munro Partners are going to be at FinFest, they're going to be one of the uh, the speakers on the day, uh, along with many other experts from around the country, plenty of which have appeared on this show before, which we're really excited about. Time is ticking. We're getting closer and closer to the event. It is here in Sydney on Saturday, 15th of October, and tickets are only $47. So you're going to get access to plenty of experts. There's going to be the bars. There's going to be entertainment, plenty of opportunity to connect with the community as well. And we've just secured the location for our after party. So if if FinFest wasn't enough, there is an after party kicking on late into the evening as well where there'll be no discussion of stocks, party only. No, you can discuss stocks. You can discuss stocks. Someone in our office is really trying to angle for a drunken buy, hold and sell. True. (laughs) Henry Jennings, drunken buy, hold and sell. We haven't spoken to Henry about it. We haven't put him in the hot seat. But anyway, (laughs) tickets, as I said, only $47. Head to equitymates.com slash finfest to grab your ticket now. They are selling out. We would love to see you there. But anyway, after this, we're going to be sitting down with Nick Griffin. So we'll pick it up then. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. So we are really excited to be joined by founding partner and chief investment officer at Munro Partners, Nick Griffin. Nick, welcome back to Equity Mates. Thanks, guys, for having me. So we're going to close out uh, close out this episode with a bit of a conversation uh, with you, Nick, around your your thoughts on current market conditions and and particularly portfolio positioning. Uh, last week there was a, an article that uh, was uh, came out in the AFR titled uh, "Here's the Bad News: Equities Boss Warns of Ongoing Correction," and it was uh, something that you'd penned. And of course, headlines are sensationalist, but um, there was some pretty interesting uh, commentary from you uh, in that article. So let's start at the top. How are you feeling and thinking about the the markets here and now? Yeah, so I mean, I think um, okay. So all of your all of your listeners are probably now across the fact that we're we're sort of in a bear market, right? So bear markets are an unfortunate fact of investing. They're a perfectly natural and normal thing, and they are they they're generally good in the long run. Um, and they're good in the long run because they clean out speculation. Uh, they take away excessive valuations. They stop capital going to places that it shouldn't be going. And they ultimately allow the market and and also economic policy, interest rate policy to reset on a more sustainable path. And so they set you up for a bull market, which is what we all love. And and we had there for a long time. And so your average bear market, you know, can go for about 300 days and can fall anywhere between 20 and 40%. But don't forget your average bull market lasts 64 months and, um, and you don't actually need to pick the bottom. So... So yeah, what what I think, you know, right from the outset, you know, we are clearly in a bear market and, and what everyone's trying to work out is how long it's going to go for and how deep it's going to be. Before we ask you that question, uh, one uh, fact caught our eye and that was the fact that you went to 40% cash in January. Uh, Bryce and I were lamenting off mic that we wish we had gone to 40% cash <laughs> in January. What were, like, what was the key thinking there and the factors that you were looking at there then that push you to 40% cash, how are they looking now? Yeah, and, and look, we'll get into this as, as this goes on. So what, look, how you, what, what creates a bear market? Like, and it's, it's always the same things, you know, there's usually a lot of speculation and then, you know, the interest rate environment changes very quickly, which leads to the economic environment to change very quickly. And so from our point of view, I think the thing that really changed and, and, mass, and caught us massively by surprise, by the way, is we sort of all went away for Christmas and COVID was a thing and we all got back after Christmas and COVID was over. <laughs> and, and I know it wasn't over, over, but, but Omicron came along and everyone got it and you realised that COVID was dead and, you know, the lockdowns were never going to happen again and, you know, that we'd all rapidly get back to doing what we were before and, and you know, it's June and or July and I've got back from school holidays and I think half of Australia went to Europe uh, over the school holidays. <laughs> uh, and so, so, like, everything just went back to normal really, really quickly. And I know it doesn't feel normal, but, but it has been charging back to normal really quickly. We've been jumping on planes, we've been travelling, we've been eating, we've been drinking. Um, and so what that meant is the Fed was miles behind the curve. Central banks were miles behind the curve. And so... The RBA, you know, was happily telling you they won't get a hike rate till 2024. And now suddenly they're hiking rates every meeting at like 50, 75 basis points. Okay. So, and so is the Fed. And so that's like, that's bad, right? You can't 
pretend that's good. You know, if interest rates go from zero to 3% really quickly and you were told that they weren't going to go up at all for three years, people are going to get caught offside. And they did. They got caught offside in speculative assets because they'd bitted up the valuations too much, thinking rates were going to be lower for longer. And, you know, they're going to get caught offside in the real economy as well. And you see that with, you know, retailers that have ordered too much stuff and now they have to discount it. Amazon's built too many warehouses, yada, yada, yada. So in January, it became really clear that the Fed was miles behind the curve. The market started the year by just going straight down. And we have a lot of internal risk controls that were going off. So we'd like to call it like the airbags are going off all over the, the place. And we needed to do something about it. And so what we did is we observed a whole bunch of stop losses that we that we, we run to try and observe these things. And we, we raised a bunch of cash. So it's a it wasn't a conscious decision. It was a decision that was brought out of processes that we run here and have run for about 15 years. And I think I've talked on your podcast before about running stop losses. And, you know, and, and having a reaction function to deal with when things changed, you know, our reaction function forced us to 40% cash. Yeah, I love that. It's, uh, it's something that we haven't discussed uh, as, as much on the show uh, recently is the, the, yeah, the value of a stop loss or at least considering uh, exit positions. But now we're at a point, I guess, where for those who have gone to cash, they've got some dry powder sitting on the sidelines. How are you thinking about getting back into the market or is it a time of just uh, reflection, I think, in the article, you mentioned three factors that you're watching to to get ready to deploy. Yes, correct, and um, yeah. So, and I think you know the article probably came across a little bit more bearish than we would have liked it to. At least the headline did. <laughs> On the three factors, you know, so so okay, we raised forty percent cash, okay, and and people go, yeah, that's great. Well, the other sixty percent went down a lot, <laughs> like a lot, a lot more than we wanted, a lot more than we wanted it to, and so we should have raised more cash. We should have. But in the end, you know, we had this 40% and it is, in our opinion, too late to raise any more. And so now you're thinking about your entry point. And the three things we're looking for are pretty simple. One is you need long-term interest rates to peak, okay? So this is really important. So remember what caused the problem is interest rates backing up. Uh, why? Because every asset in the world is valued off a risk-free rate, um, you know, to some sort of discounted value. If it moves from one to three, then the value of everything falls a lot. That's that's sort of happened. But the point is now it appears we are peaking at 3%. And we always thought this would be the case. You know, the reality is there's interest rates. I'm sure a lot of you have parents or old people that you hang around who go, who will tell you some amazing story how when they used to borrow money to buy their house, you know, interest rates were 15% and, you know, how tough it was for them. Well, guess what? I don't think it can ever get back to 15%. Why? Because we've raised too much debt. And so so in my investment career, every time something goes wrong, we lower interest rates, we raise too much debt. And so the actual peak level of interest rates that are going to cause the slowdown, cause inflation to go away, all the things that central banks want, we think is about 3%. We are now getting close to that. So the Fed last night got to 250. The long bond has sort of steadied at 3%. And so the the, the risk-free rate that we can value things off has stabilized at three. That's a massive tick. So that's that's positive. That's really positive. And so from that point of view, that's your first tick. Second thing is unfortunately rates going up is going to cause earnings to collapse for a lot of companies. And we're already seeing this happening. So Walmart, big warning this week. Mm. You know, I've Sharon Williams, a big paint company, warned last night. The semiconductor companies are starting to warn. You know, we saw Target before that. So you can expect lots of profit warnings now for you know, the next two quarters at least, between now and the end of the year. Um, earnings estimates have to come down dramatically in the US and Australia. 
But the good news is, is the market knows this. It's already priced a good chunk of this in. And so that was the bad news bit of what I said. So there's good news and bad news. The good news is the market's peaked. So interest rates are peaked. Bad news is earnings have to come down a lot. And the third thing you're looking for is time. And so remember I said at the start, you know, generally, you know, people like me or or other guys who've been around a bit and seen bear markets before, they don't normally only last three months like, like COVID did. They normally last, you know, 12, sometimes up to 18 months. Um, this one's seven months long. And sometimes it just pays to just be a little bit patient and and not, you know, just, just wait and see what we would talk about, you know, the bodies come to the surface or, you know, when the tide goes out, who's not wearing any bathers, um, as Warren Buffett would say. Yes. And so normally around these times, you know, something else bad happens. Um, now, it hasn't happened yet and, and maybe it won't happen. Um, and so if you put those three things together, but it, it does pay sense to be a, bit, a little bit patient. So if you put those three things together, we reckon we've got about one and a half of the things we're looking for to get to three, which would be spend all the 40%. Um, and so from our point of view, if you say had $100 on the sidelines right now, you know, you're pretty safe to go spend 25, 30 of it. Why? Because those first one and a half things are done. Yeah, right. um, we, can talk, we can talk about where you spend it, but of that $100, you spend 30 of it. And you probably keep 70 back just in case something else happens. Because remember, you don't actually have to pick the bottom. Yeah. The bull market is going to last a long time. You know, you don't have to be a hero here. Uh, but of that $100, yeah, yeah, we'd be spending 30 mm. Love that. Now, uh, one thing that you, that caught our eye in the article was where you would be spending that 30 because, um, you know, the, the companies that I guess you uh, were investing in in 2020 and 2021, you've sold off some of them, but the companies that you'd be looking to deploy may not be those same companies. So... Uh, can you can you add a little bit of, bit of color to that and tell us some of the companies that are catching your eye at the moment? Okay, so that's a great question. And so for the listeners, I would encourage them to think about we're in an uncertain economic environment. It's not going to get less certain anytime soon. But, you know, valuations are at a point that you probably should be putting some capital to work. I mean, we've fallen 20 25% in the US. You know, if you're going to fall 37, well, you know, you're, you're at least more than halfway there. And, you know, you mightn't fall that last bit. So when you're putting that capital to work, you should be investing in the biggest and safest and most stable companies you can think of. Uh, you have a rare opportunity here to build a high quality portfolio of companies that you know will be here in 10 years time and that you know are going to grow through this environment. And so right at the top of that list is Microsoft. Um, I know it's boring, but guess what? It's 23 times earnings and it's going to grow and nothing's going to go wrong. And then you can work down to Google, you could work down to Amazon, you could buy NVIDIA. You could buy AMD, you could buy ASML, you could buy Costco. You know, these are big companies, most of them 100 billion market cap or more, all of them with strong balance sheets, most of them more than 20% off their highs and perfectly good investments at this point in time, and they will sail, sail you through what's coming next. It will be very tempting to go and buy the company that's fallen 80%, you know, the Shopify the Spotify, the Atlassian, et cetera. And I'm not saying they're bad ideas. I'm just saying I wouldn't buy them first. And I don't think that they will be good buyers until later on this year or maybe next year. And the reason why I say that, don't go back to the ones that have fallen 80%, is purely because A, we don't really know what's going to happen in the second half of the year. And B, you know, these companies are what we'd call young and somewhat undercapitalized. Okay. So they they've lost their access to capital markets. A lot of them were using capital markets to compete with the big guys. They now can't get that money. They're going to have to compete with a whole bunch of other companies who need money. And this is just going to favor the big guys. So, so from that point of view, I get that they've fallen a long way and they look really exciting on the chart. 
I would restrain yourself on those ones just for another three to six months. Love that. Plenty of those companies that you mentioned that have fallen 80% in my portfolio. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, look, I think some uh, great uh, pieces of advice there, Nick. And I also would want to just throw in that a uh, bit of a disclaimer everything that we discuss here is generally in nature with you and, and you are a, a licensed professional. So, I just want to sort of close. We uh, saw some rhetoric come from the White House this week <laughs> that suggested that uh, the definition of a recession is not what everyone believes is two consecutive quarters of GDP growth. Uh, what are your thoughts on on the sort of the macro picture? Are we heading recession? Do you even consider that in your investing approach at the moment? It's something that we debate here at Equity Mates. You know, a lot of the head, headlines around oil prices and all of this sort of macro stuff. Does it really matter? What are your sort of closing thoughts on that? So the markets are already pricing in a reasonably big slowdown or, or slash recession. The central banks would be happy to force the economy into a recession to get rid of inflation. Don't think that that won't happen. They will happily do that. From our point of view, we don't really care. There's mild recessions, there's really bad recessions. I, I sort of joke and say, you, you're sort of guaranteed a mild recession next year because you can't possibly spend as much money as you've spent this year. And I think all of us have that problem. I, you know, you know, I'm long. I've I've got like three years, three years worth of holidays that I have to go on because they won't give me the money back. Um, so, so you you can't possibly spend any more money than you spent this year. So, in theory, you will get some sort of recession next year. The key thing is that it's a mild one, and I think that's reasonably priced in already. What still goes wrong from here is is what I was talking about before. Is you know generally recessions, slowdowns, if they hang around, I, we can't get rid of inflation, then you're going to get these big credit blow-ups, um, whether it's a company or a bank or a country uh, has some sort of credit blow-up. Um, if inflation hangs around, you'll, you'll get these sort of food rights in certain countries. So there are bad things out there that could definitely happen. And that's why you know we're not spending all our money. And that's why we're spending on the guys that we know will be safest. But those are the sort of things. I don't think you're debating whether it's a recession or not anymore. You're just debating debating if it's if it's going to be a really bad one. Mm. But you will you will get a slowdown, and you'll probably get two quarters of negative growth. It's a technical recession, <laughs> not according to the White House. Correct. But Nick, uh, we have we have run out of time. But thank you so much for joining us. Some really clear, uh, I guess, pieces of ad advice there for those that are thinking about how to position a portfolio getting into some of those biggest, safest companies that you can think of and uh, potentially not deploying all the cash if it is sitting on the sidelines. So absolute pleasure uh, chatting with you and, and catching up. And uh, we, we're looking forward to having Munro at FinFest, um, be it yourself or, or another representative. I'm sure it's going to be awesome. And, uh, yeah, we do really appreciate your time today. Thank you very much. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate thanks, it. Thanks, Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of Equity Mates. We love hearing from you. So drop us a line at contact at equitymates.com or even better, go to your podcast player and leave a five-star review. Also, a reminder that the Equity Mates content train doesn't stop when you've run out of episodes to binge. We've got a brand new website, a Facebook discussion group. We're on Instagram, YouTube, and slowly making our way as an influencer on TikTok. Well, that's Ren. So uh, come and say hello and join the community. We'd love to welcome you. Until next time. Equity Mates Investing Podcast is a product of Equity Mates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. Equity Mates gives listeners access to information and educational content provided by a range of financial service professionals. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal, or tax advice. 
The hosts of Equity Mates Investing Podcast are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Equity Mates Media does not operate under an Australian financial services license and relies on the exemption available under the Corporations Act 2001 in respect of any information or advice given. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast or video. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equity Mates website, where you can find ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equity Mates Media and the hosts of Equity Mates Investing Podcast acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big money on everything for your next project at Menards. Spring is here making it the perfect time for outdoor projects. Suncast storage sheds are an excellent solution for protecting outdoor lawn and gardening tools. They're easy to assemble, and the all-weather construction provides water resistance and UV protection. Save big on Suncast storage sheds. View our selection of Suncast products today in-store and on Menards.com. Save 